Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I have this platform where I can reveal truths about people and welcome them in. I give the audience an inside look and I also make those characters and narratives so important that they must be shared. The concept of inclusivity is so important and we deal with it today all the time. But I get to reveal something about a person and share it with others in order to inspire them in order to entertain them and to be entertained isn't only to laugh and feel merriment it can also be to cry or get angry it's to get people to think it's to provoke them it's to disturb them ears don't blink right we can always listen we can close our eyes for a moment we can close our mouths we take an inhale and then pause for a moment before the exhale but our ears are open that vulnerability is the most interesting thing to reveal. I like to find the ugly and make it beautiful. Life presents us with so many challenges, people, situations, disasters, traumas that will try to push us down. But we have the opportunity to either live as victims or heroes of circumstance. To be able to make somebody else shine and not to be named is such a beautiful thing. Today's person of purpose is an award-winning actor, host, and filmmaker, Yuval David. Yuval has become acclaimed for his work, including evocative and sometimes provocative performances on screen and stage. His art of storytelling through the perspective lenses of the characters involved in the stories he shares is compelling and captivating. He transports himself and his audiences along on the journey. Each role Yuval marvelously brings to life, he treats as a master class and using art as a fundamental agent for social change. Yuval skillfully conveys other perspectives as both unique and universal. He is known for his creative vision, perceptive approach, transcendent performances, and his seemingly effortless ability to make people laugh and cry in the same moment. His profound dexterity to get to the soulfulness of each character's humanity has landed him major series regular and guest starring roles in some of the most widely celebrated and talked about television series and films in recent years. Whether he's appearing in HBO's new series, The Plot Against America, CBS's hit political drama, Madam Secretary, or ABC's long-running primetime hidden camera show, What Would You Do? His appearances not only entertain with heart and pathos, but explore the mosaic human experience. His role is squandered, as Yuval always uses his robust public platform to engage his audience. He invites them to take an active role in improving the world around them. He simultaneously empowers his audience and makes them feel deeply appreciated. His mission to entertain, uplift, and inspire allowed him to host, narrate, create, produce, and direct engaging and thought-provoking content. His work is seen across YouTube and a myriad of social media channels. He currently produces a 
dozen web series, short films, documentaries, and regularly performs his one-person shows in theaters. The charming, captivating, witty, and funny powerhouse of energy is frequently invited to emcee and speak on behalf of countless cultural, humanitarian, philanthropic, social, and political initiatives and institutions. This includes the Israeli consulate in New York, most recently hosting Israel's 70th anniversary celebration in Times Square, in front of 30,000 live event goers and millions of viewers around the world. He has become a go-to host and narrator for short and long-form video content and documentary features for Jewish, Israeli, LGBTQ, arts, cultural, and humanitarian organizations and initiatives, including the National LGBTQ Task Force, the Jewish National Fund, and Stand With Us. As a social journalist and keynote speaker, sometimes this advocacy work takes on a more literal approach. Yuval regularly travels across the United States and abroad, in recent years bringing him to the illustrious heights of Capitol Hill and to major multinationals and nonprofit organizations. He often speaks about the significance of using art and creativity as a dynamic engine towards social good. Yuval empowers people to see themselves as advocates for their communities, uniting together to support their own communities and others, and seeing these efforts as equally important. Yuval has a sensitivity and flair for inclusively interfacing with cast and crew and equally with the audience and participants. He says, I am to create a safe space and a brave space in which I can bring out the best in others and myself. This is a collaboration unifying us all. Meeting Yuval David today was just so amazing. He's definitely a person of purpose. His soulfulness, his vulnerability, his transparency in who he is and what he does is just incredible. He's got this amazing lifestyle in Manhattan doing acting and writing and directing and all this sort of stuff. And at the same time, he's incredibly down to earth and just has a beautiful spirit to him. And, I felt a lot of connection throughout this interview, and I'm sure that that's palpable as you listen, but you've all like really helped me to recognize the power of just being a kind person, of having little impacts on people that bring out their bravest self, their fullest self, their purposeful self. And I love how he creates these safe spaces for them to participate in a big level through things like One Man Short and Guerrilla Theater, where he pulls in these people that didn't even know they were going to be part of a film production, and he places them in important roles in that production where they're participants. And there's so much you can learn from this that I'm super excited to share this episode with you. I know that Yuval's experience and expertise in finding his creative craft and connecting others to it and living a purposeful, abundant life full of adventure is something that is infectious. I hope that you find yourself in his story. I know I for sure did. I'm really excited for you to listen to this one-of-a-kind episode with today's person of purpose, Yuval David. Hello, Yuval David. It's good to have you on the podcast today. Enjoyed chatting with you a little bit beforehand about travel and pronunciation of names and all these sort of things. It's great to be on your show. Yeah, thank you. Can tell we're going to have an awesome conversation. We already are. <laughs> exactly. Now I want to bring the people into our conversation. So now we have a bit of an audience listening to us. I wanted them to kind of hear your perspective on travel. I know we both share that. I've 
traveled to dozens of countries and lived immersively in certain ones like Thailand, for example. And you said you were raised traveling. What has traveling done to help bring you into your path of purpose? Well, I definitely have that travel bug and was, I guess I had it from birth. Traveling around the world is just a great way to expand one's horizons, to use that cliche, to be able to see other cultures and ways that people live that might be different than your own. You just mentioned the word immersion, which I love. I love the, the concept of immersion, and I explore that in my career and my artistic creativity. But I also do that whenever I travel. I really try to immerse myself into that culture. And the biggest compliment I get is just about every time I travel, people think I live in that place or that I'm from that place. And I just take that as a huge compliment because I'm able to immerse myself in the culture and giving other people so much respect for who they are, for how they live and celebrating them for it and being a traveler who's there to see their country, their way of life. And I think it's just a huge amount of respect. On the other hand, as an actor and as a content creator, to be able to understand more people and more cultures and more nationalities just broadens my creativity. It gives me more language that I can use for whatever I choose to create in the future. Right. Got it. Has there been a time where you've actually felt like you maybe didn't belong or that you were perceiving that you were an outsider and what allowed you to transition, you know, this stark difference on the surface to where maybe you did have that melding with like some universal? It's a good question. I think I try to bypass that feeling of not belonging as quickly as possible. As people, we're all very unique and we're all different, but we're also very much the same. So I appreciate the challenge of when somebody might see me as being different than they are, but quickly just creating that safe space, that brave space, the comfortable space, whatever you wish to call it, where we completely connect. I play the charm card a lot. Yeah, people can't see it, but you're smiling the entire time you're talking. So I feel the charm. Thank you. You know, thankfully, I have a good dentist who keeps my teeth looking nice. So has there been a time when I felt like I don't belong? For sure, there have been times where I felt like I didn't belong. I did a trip to China and people were looking at me as if I was just, you know, this different person, an outsider, so to speak. But I picked up all these different expressions and tried to make people laugh and just quickly connected with them. I think that's like the only time I really felt like I didn't belong somewhere. I mean, there've been times where I walked in the wrong door and you know, <laughs> that's like the same as doing it here in the States. If you just like accidentally walk into the wrong oh, address yeah. and realize you're in the wrong place. Or you're at like a restaurant looking for the bathroom and you walk into the kitchen or something like this. Yes. But thankfully I'm a foodie. So I like walking into the kitchen. Maybe we could think of it the opposite way. You perceive that somebody else feels as if they are excluded or don't belong or they have a shyness to them or they have a tendency to kind of recoil to their comfort zone, their, their tribe that they're with. What role do you do to advocate for their inclusion? That's a really great question. It's something I've been doing since I was a kid. Whenever I notice that somebody is an outsider or isn't being included, I make a point of including them. 
even when I was a kid in school, if there were those kids who were sitting alone at lunchtime, I would sit with them instead of sitting with my other friends. So that person wouldn't have to be alone. And I ended up making even better friends through these people who just had that innate need to connect. Ultimately, we all have that need to connect to people. And that continues to this day throughout my advocacy work and throughout my filmmaking work. And as an actor, when I get to portray these different characters, I have this platform where I can reveal truths about people and welcome them in. And whether the characters or the narratives can be connected to through the universality of those characters and narratives, or whether they're just completely unique and distinct in the way I portray them as being totally different, I give the audience an inside look, and I also make those characters and narratives so important that they must be shared. I think that kind of all goes hand in hand. The inclusivity, the concept of inclusivity is so important, and we deal with it today all the time, whether it's from a socio-political perspective or the way we represent different people in film and television and theater, that's all about inclusivity and giving people that respect. So do you think we all have a deep part of our nature that wants to be inclusive? And if we do, why are we acting in ways that are not so inclusive? Yet another good question. Tanner, I mean, you're asking if people want to be included and if people want to include others. I think the people who are well-traveled, going back to the concept of traveling around the world, those who are most well-versed in the world and in other peoples connect to those other people and are quicker to include others. The people who are not as knowledgeable, educated, or experienced might have that xenophobic fear of including the other. And that's what we're seeing now. I mean, when we're seeing so much hate and people are talking about what's happening to this world now, it's such a dark world. I don't think the world is any different than it used to be. Right now, just because of technology and the ways we can connect to people, people are seeing other people. But when they get to really know somebody who's different than them, they'll find that connection. They'll resonate with each other and then include each other. So, yeah, I want to give you a little easier question. I feel like I've kind of gone down a little rabbit hole. Those are good questions. Difficult questions. Um, expecting you to be like a philosopher, a prophet of man or something like this. I philosophize a lot. It's the way I think. I think in mantras and I think philosophically. So if I get too artsy-fartsy or philosophical with my comments, just like you tell me to take it down a peg. <laughs> People in my life say that once in a while. They're like, okay. <laughs> same here. Same here. I, guess I love to go on these big intellectual pursuits. Maybe we could ask, start with a simple one. What is it that you do to disrupt some of these things that are going not so well in society? And what is it that you're purpose is about advocating for this inclusivity and this universal connection of humans. What are you doing to disrupt that? You talk about art and performance. Could you just yeah, absolutely. let us know who you are? Well, I'm an actor, host, and filmmaker, primarily in film, television, theater, and voiceovers. But I've also always done advocacy work and activism work because I knew who I am and where I come from and had great respect for who I am 
as a Jewish Israeli American or American Israeli who's also part of the LGBTQ community and is part of the artist community and the creative community and the entertainment industry. I'm part of these communities or these nations, right? What is a nation? A nation is a group of people who have a similar characteristic. So I'm this multinational person. And whatever I do, I advocate and represent not only myself and my family and my collaborators and my community, and my country and all that, but I'm representing other people who identify with me as well. So I've been able to take my creative pursuits, my artistic career with the advocacy and bring them hand in hand. I mean, I get to play these amazing characters as an actor. And that's when I really, oh, if you think I'm getting really philosophical now, when I'm playing a character, I, I get so heady with it. And then throw all of that away and just live in the moment and improv or create jazz, you know, in that moment playing the character. But I get to reveal something about a person and share it with others in order to inspire them, in order to entertain them. And to be entertained isn't only to laugh and, and feel merriment. It can also be to cry or get angry. It's to get people to to think, it's to provoke them, it's to disturb them, to use the word that you used earlier in your question. But that's the same thing with my advocacy. So when I'm speaking at an event or when I'm part of a panel discussion, or even when I emcee an event for a philanthropic or humanitarian cause, I want to really affect the audience. So I use my actor brain, I use my filmmaker, producer, director brain to understand how to take a message convey it in the form of a narrative and completely understand who my target audience is. Wow. Can you teach me a, a 101 crash course for five or 10 minutes about how to do that? Absolutely. I actually do teach these courses every once in a while. I get invited to different acting schools and different filmmaking schools, but also to different organizational events and different conferences to help organizations and people whose full-time career is being an advocate, uh, an activist, a lobbyist, uh, running a non-for-profit organization, or even politicians. I teach them how to pursue their initiatives from a creative standpoint, how to really think about presentation as performance. I actually even taught these workshops. It was amazing. I got pulled into this major company and they asked if I could teach a class to help some of the business people who are working there, who have a lot of client outreach, how to do a better job. And it was amazing. And I basically just taught this acting class and they were absorbing it like mana from heaven. Like, oh my gosh, the stuff that Yuval is saying is amazing. And I kept connecting it to it completely being a basic acting class, a basic performance class. Because, you know, we all wear different hats. We all play so many different roles in our lives. We might be the husband, the boyfriend, the wife, the girlfriend, the they friend, the brother, the sister, the mother, the business person, the salesperson, whatever it is, we talk to people in different ways. We communicate in different ways. But when you really listen to who you're talking to, you get to communicate in a specific way. So because I'm looking at your face here, right, in this video conference that we're doing, and because of the conversation we had before you clicked record, I know I can philosophize with you. 
hopefully your audience appreciates it too. But I'm assuming they do because yeah, they will. They obviously love you and you have all of this wonderful success and following and great things that you're doing. So yeah, I know I can talk to you like this. That's awesome. Philosopher to philosopher. So let's act together now. Let's say I'm hosting a, a dinner or an event and it's a bunch of these people that let's say that they are downtrodden in life. They have been told no, they don't believe in themselves. Let's go with the extreme example. And then they see this lively face, Yuval, emceeing the event. And they see me pitching people of purpose, community and podcasts and all these sort of things. What do you do to meet them at their level and rise them up to who they, you know that they can be? And how do you create a community in that space? Listening to them. And ears don't blink, right? We can always listen. We can close our eyes for a moment. We can close our mouths. We take an inhale and then pause for a moment before the exhale, but our ears are open. But if you take that concept of truly listening to somebody and make it not just about what our ears actually do, if we have full capacity to hear, it's the same thing to hear with your soul, to hear with your energy, to see with your soul and energy. When you really get to feel somebody, and make them feel comfortable, then they open up to you. I do that when I direct, when I just recently directed a film that I also wrote. And to ensure that my actors aren't ever nervous or intimidated, if I sense that they might be, even at the slightest moment, I remind them how amazing they are and that they were cast in this movie. Like, obviously I want them to be their best. And in my hands, they will be their best. And it's the same, with this web series or episodic series that I'm producing called One Actor Short. You can see the first one and soon the second episode on my YouTube channel where I go out with my film crew onto the streets of New York City and I ask random strangers to take part in this movie. And in under 10 minutes, I improvise with them, direct them through the improv. It's like a guided improv. And all of a sudden they get to star in this film. And based on whatever they do, I express to them how important it is because that will completely develop the rest of the narrative of this short film that we're creating together. So back to your question and your scenario that you created at a dinner party or at an event, it's the same thing. You talk to people like they're important, like you want to know what they're saying. You want to connect to them. That person in that moment is so important. And that's something we all can take away the people who represent me from my agents and managers and publicists and whole creative team. I know my camera people and my audio mixers and my editors who work as my crew. I know the person who delivers my mail every day. I know the, the people who collect the garbage on the street. Like I, I want to connect with people. I think it just comes from a place of respecting others and respecting what I have, what I was gifted with and what I was able to achieve and that my life isn't my own. I get yeah. to share it. I want to share it and other people get to share it. I think people can see too that you are earnestly trying to communicate your heart's intention. I can see the way you talk to me right now. You're searching for the exact right word to describe what it is that you're after. And if you're able to do that with all forms of relationships, whether it's the male delivery man or it's your spouse, like. Mine's a woman. Okay. My male delivery woman. 
<laughs> Mail delivery. Woman. She's awesome. She's totally cool. No, sorry to correct you, but she's really a, an amazing person. That's awesome. But you know what? And when somebody doesn't want to connect or isn't comfortable in connecting and open up, it's an adventure. Now I have this challenge. How can I make this person connect? And I play a game unless the person is like really just <laughs> completely not interested. What's the game? How can I win them over? How can I win this person over? And sometimes I do it like I play with it. Like I obviously see that you, this person, whoever that we're creating in this scenario, that this person is so special that I see something there that I'm talking to this person and how dare they not open up? Like, are they selfish? And I like play this game. I was like, are you being selfish right now? Like what? You're amazing. You have this great, beautiful energy or physical beauty or something just really interesting and compelling that drew me in. I need to talk to you. Like you need to connect with me. And if they're not, I was like, what's going on? I mean, is it me or is it you? It's got to be you. Let's talk about you. And whatever, you know, it's a really fun game. You really put yourself out there. Yeah, I get exhausted sometimes. (laughs) Like Sometimes I come home and I was like, oh my God. And I just crash hard. How can an introverted person relate to this? Like, how could you allow someone who doesn't have the kind of nature you do to go up to people and say, is it you or is it me? You know, that's a super special kind of person to be like that. I think you have to connect to what your energy is. How do you approach life? How do you approach situations? The way you do one thing is the way you do everything, right? So if you're able to understand how you like to approach things or how you're comfortable in approaching things, then you know that you can connect to people or to situations or to challenges the same way. So I grew up spending most of the summer in Israel every year from when I was born until college. And I was at the beach almost every day. And there's this thing I learned that I'm sure is also some cliche quote somewhere When you're standing in the ocean and a wave is approaching you, you have some options here. If you're too deep, you're not going to be able to run out before the wave hits you, right? So you can stand there and brace yourself and let the wave smash into you and knock you around and tumble you around and just, you know, have that experience. Or you can dive under the wave and rise up victorious on the other side. Or you can jump up high and let the wave carry you even higher and emerge victorious on the other side. So you have these different options of, of what to do. So why not dive under or jump up high to play with the wave? So when you try to brace yourself, when something challenging is coming at you and to try to fight it, that's not always the best choice. You should absorb it. You should respect it, appreciate it, and know how to handle yourself with what's coming. Now, of course, that's probably if you're encountering smaller waves and not like a giant tsunami wave. Very different scenario. Sometimes maybe you're just effed in the situation. (laughs) Have you had any tsunami waves hit your life and you couldn't rise above with that playfulness and you had to maybe take a dive or you had to get washed up a little bit to come back? Absolutely. And I think because I've had some massive challenges in my life and things that I wasn't able to change or affect because I'm still here and I'm still alive, 
I'm able to change the way I think about it, right? It's like that cognitive behavioral therapy approach or the emotional behavioral therapy approach where it can be described as an equation. There's a stimulus plus, let's call it X, right? The variable, the mathematic variable equals a response. So let's create this scenario. So I don't know, let's say your house burns down plus X, this variable equals the response. So the variable is what's important. It's how you think about what happened. So the house burnt down. Well, you could think of X is how you perceive it. So at least you weren't in the house. At least nobody was in the house and you're alive. Or you could think, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. I now don't have this house anymore. And the end of the equation, it equals your response. So if I can say, okay, at least nobody was in the house and everything is fine. And that gets you to a more peaceful place instead of going to that challenged place. But there have been situations in my life that were so traumatic that it took me a lot of time to accept that I had PTS from them. I don't call it PTSD because I don't really think it's a disorder. It just is. It's a thing that happens to people. I like that. I agree with that. So yeah, so like in those situations, that's when it was like a tsunami wave that it did flip me around, but at least I'm still here. It seems like a lot of your artistic approach is about creating this safe and brave space for the audience to become vulnerable with themselves. And you exhibit vulnerability as a way for them to step into it. Could you... Talk a little bit more about that. How is that something we can relate to? To be vulnerable, to receive vulnerability, to create safe and brave spaces for connection. That's powerful. I really like that. And I wanted to hear your words around that topic. Well, as an actor, when I play a role, I recognize that the vulnerability, that the brokenness, that vulnerability is the most interesting thing to reveal people connect to that vulnerability a lot more than connecting to somebody who's completely solid. To be permeable is to be sensitive. And to be sensitive is to hear, is to see, is to receive the energy and allow myself to be affected by it. While we do have people who meet great success and become huge leaders uh, who might not wish to express that vulnerability, the people who audiences or communities or nations can most connect to are the people who have that vulnerability, but don't live as a victim. Say, okay, this stuff is hard. This stuff is challenging. It affected me, but life goes on, but the world keeps turning, you know, and hopefully it will keep turning. We're also affecting so many things negatively, but to go back to the positive, it's to say life is going on. So now how am I going to take that and move forward? So as an actor, I play a character and the camera, or even if it's on stage, I'm giving the audience an inside perspective into the character. And if my character is vulnerable, then the character is more interesting. As a filmmaker, I'm very character and narrative driven. Because I understand that that vulnerability, again, is something that people connect to. I sometimes refer to it within my acting is that I like to find the ugly and make it beautiful. 
the things that in society we try to hide so much, we try to suppress so much, we're socialized to not reveal these certain things about ourselves. But when I reveal it and express the beauty of it, the sincere, authentic, genuine truth of that vulnerability, it's more interesting. And if I connect to somebody, even if it's not as a filmmaker or an actor or a TV host when I'm speaking to somebody, as an advocate, speaking at an event, leading an event, or a conversation just like this one, being vulnerable is being real. And then you can really get into many more topics than if you're not vulnerable. I wish everybody was vulnerable and saw the beauty in it. It's one of my favorite words, vulnerability. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So you have a really unique medium of expressing your vulnerability, one that I personally have no experience with. I've never been an actor. I've never been a director. So I'm just kind of grasping for understanding what this looks like in your specific field. But can you tell me, how did you get elevated to these positions where you can be an actor for somebody else's project or for you to be a director? Like Both of them are very vulnerable spots that require another person to trust you to carry out their vision and their project and you have to kind of dance back and forth i imagine with what they want and what you want how you're going to have your personal purpose portrayed through your character that seems really interesting to me that you live in that artistic expression team kind of world i guess my question is how do you become an actor how do you become a director and how do you do so in alignment with your purpose on every project I knew that I would become an actor since I was a little kid. Wow. My parents took me to see a lot of theater and my mother's a well-known dancer choreographer as well. So I was exposed to a lot of the performing arts as a little kid. And I used to gather my cousins and write, produce, direct, and star in, <laughs> in a play. That's awesome. So I started doing that since I was a little kid. But also as as a kid, as a child, in my youth, there were times that I was picked on or bullied for being vulnerable, or I felt like I was different uh, because I was sensitive. And as I matured, as I matured and lived more life, I ended up using that sensitivity and that vulnerability as my strength and accepting that that's what made me special and being special and unique is a good thing. That maybe I'm not like those other people, those other guys, those other girls, those other whatever. Um, That it's okay to be me as long as I am true to myself. And when I'm true to myself, I welcome the right people into my life. Many people when they're kids, when they're teenagers, when they're in their 20s, maybe even into our 30s, we want everybody to be our friends. But not everybody has to be your friend. Sometimes people will love you or or like you or be indifferent or truly dislike you. And I, I think it's very much like dogs in the street. You know, if two dogs are crossing each other in the street, they might immediately start playing. 
just immediately, or they might sniff each other's butts, or <laughs> they might start fighting, or they might just completely ignore each other. Right. That's a completely animalistic response, and we're the same thing. So, you know, if you're starting to play with that person, wonderful, that person should be your friend or whatever, or, or collaborate with you. If you're sniffing each other's butts, wonderful, have a good time, find somewhere to go. You know, if you're fighting, then extricate yourself from the situation. That's a person who you shouldn't be with. And if you're completely indifferent, ignoring each other, well, then fine, that's okay too. So the people who surround you say a lot about who you are especially within that moment of life. Got it. So always have good people around you to collaborate and to share in the adventure of life. So I don't even know if I answered your question. I told you I'm philosophizing here with you. I'm, I probably went off multiple tangents now. Oh, I want to learn more about your perspective on this. I would say the only person in my life that I tend to fight with is my mom. And that's not an example of someone you can just like walk away and leave, you know? And I'm thinking like, if you have a friend that starts to head away a direction in life that doesn't seem like it's serving them the right way. And you want to, I feel sometimes I have an impulse to want to disrupt that and like get their head in the right place. But at the same time, you got to let them live their life. How do you handle tension around when people in your life are starting to draw away from you and are becoming more insular and maybe seem less happy and maybe are going through the beginnings of depression. How do you orient yourself towards that friend? Many people who study depression have put out the results of their research and they've been saying that depression, anxiety, stress, and suicide rates are at an all-time high. Now, granted, that's an all-time high of people who've been documented, I'm sure, over hundreds of years, there were people who weren't documented. For example, you know, during the times of segregation and slavery in the United States, did they document the stress, anxiety, depression, and suicide rates of slaves? I'm assuming not as much as they focused on other communities. Nonetheless, these studies have proven and shown based on their research that these suicide, depression, anxiety, and suicide rates are at an all-time high. So that's really concerning. So when you're dealing with somebody who you notice has this darkness, I think it's connecting to that vulnerability again. It's connecting to making that person understand that they're special and unique and that they have a purpose, right? People of purpose as what you're doing. Aren't we all people of purpose? We have a reason for being here. And if we think that we haven't found the reason Maybe we just need to be more introspective because we might have already found the reason or we can find a new reason. But I'm a creative person in my profession, but ultimately all people are creative. It's been like that since, you know, Paleolithic times, since the dawning of time. People want to create a child. They want to create a home. They want to create love. They want to create art, they want to be a storyteller, they want to create a higher power or connect to a higher power, however they define faith and religion. don't want to go on that tangent, but we want to create, we want to do something, we want to cook and create food and then eat it, right? We are creative people. So when we remind those who are struggling that they need to create and connect to their creativity, that's where their power comes from. So we have the power to change the energy in a room. We have the power to change somebody's energy. 
But when you're in those moments of tension, when you're feeling that you're just not connecting, then maybe you need to listen with your whole energetic self to what that person is actually saying. And it's not necessarily in their words. It's what they're aiming to convey, not necessarily the words that are coming out of their mouths. Because in life, we've come to learn that when somebody is hungry, tired, angry, or depressed, what they're saying isn't actually the truth, but it's what they're feeling that they're conveying through the words. So if you can allow yourself to be sensitive enough to respect it and say, I hear you're saying this, but I feel you're expressing this and try to steer the conversation into what you feel they're expressing. There's a lot of power in that. There's so much power in that. So that's the approach that I take when I'm in those situations with people who are challenged or people who are challenging or people who are challenging me. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from living at your purpose? I know a bad accident, breakups, and head injuries have plagued my path of purpose. The good news is that People of Purpose has now partnered with BetterHelp, an online counseling platform that will assess your needs from exactly where you are and match you with your very own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. I know that when we are purposefully and passionately pursuing our visions, it can be so hard to take the big action you need for yourself. That's why I love BetterHelp. BetterHelp is available worldwide from the comfort and ease of your smartphone. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, call or video chat as often as you need. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses without needing to be in one single city or drive and sit in an uncomfortable waiting room just to have a 30-minute conversation. These conversations have the power to literally change your life. We need to make sure we're having them. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. For me, the sign-up process was so thorough and personalized to exactly what I needed. Within 15 minutes, I was done, and the very next day, I was paired with a counselor with the pedigree to help me think through exactly the questions I have at this stage in my life. Since I've met my premarital Christian counselor, Colleen, I've had enormous insights on where and how to create better boundaries, and even had a session with my fiance while she's in Thailand and I'm in California. It's amazing how powerful and accessible counseling is today with the power of the internet. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Whether you need professional coaching for your business, help overcoming a trauma, or just need a thought partner who would walk through a rocky part of a road with you, BetterHelp wants to help you start living a happier life today. People of Purpose listeners get 10% off your first month. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash people of purpose. That's betterhelp.com forward slash people of purpose and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Because I do a lot of advocacy work, I encounter people who attack me because of who I am, especially as, uh, as a Jewish person who's outspoken and proud about being Jewish and who believes in the self-determination of the Jewish people the way I believe in everybody else's self-determination. Because 
I'm a gay, bisexual, whatever, queer man. I'm working with the queer thing now. I really like it. But anyway, part of the LGBTQ community, I encounter people who attack me because of that. I've had people look down at me because I'm an artist, because I'm a creative, because I'm an actor, but I pursue my career with a full business mind, you know, so I have to express that. So many times I have to defend myself, but I try to go back to that dog reference, right? Is this person somebody I need to engage with or should I completely ignore? Is this somebody who I, whose mind I can change uh, and who I can connect to through the universality of what I advocate and how they can resonate with me or I can resonate with them. It's an art form, but I think it's like the game we were talking about earlier. How can I connect to this person? How can I play my cards and work my magic to relate to and with this person? And that's what I do as an actor and as a content creator. When I create my films and my web series, I'm connecting to people and when I act and portray a character, when I host and interview people, I'm trying to go back to that inclusivity, back to that connectivity, back to that advocacy and representing people who are like me completely or slightly unlike me or very unlike me. I'm trying to just represent everybody and share that good energy because it is important to make this world a better place. It is important to create something good. Yeah, I love that. No, you carry so many identities with you. And I think that people can learn a lot from how you have embraced all of these identities that don't fall in some sort of package or basket that's considered normal. You have, and, and you're expressing them and you're probably even trying to understand them and play around with what those boundaries are. That sounds like a really interesting way to be living because you're constantly on a quest to refine who Yuval is in this moment on this day and how his purpose can come through in this creation. I want to know like when you are creating a film, what's your creative process begin with? Like what is that seed or that origin of creation? Is that I have this specific purpose I'm looking to affect impact towards in society and we're going to base our characters and our narrative around that? Or is it just a playfulness of ideas and then the purpose kind of comes through on the back end? How do you think about your creative process? What's the intentionality component of your creativity? I think it's both of the different situations you painted where I either recognize that there's a topic that I have the power to address or the wherewithal to address, or it could just completely come from this improvisational place where I say, okay, I'm available on this and this day. I get my check to see if my crew is available and say, okay, great. We're all available. From what time to what time are we available? What is the weather like? Where can we film? What can I film on this day? Right. I have this mantra to consistently create content. So sometimes it completely comes from that. Okay, I have time. I'm between productions. I have one day, two day, a week, whatever it is, I have to create something. Sometimes it comes from that. But I have that series called Pranks of Kindness, which is uh, one of my web series, where I like prank videos and I recognize that people like prank videos, but I don't like the prank videos where it seems dangerous, where you're only frightening people and taking it to a negative place. So I thought, how wonderful would it be if I fuse 
prank videos with random acts of kindness. So I created random pranks of kindness. So I would surprise people with kindness or I have the series Better World with Yuval David. <laughs> so I have this series Better World where it's all about interviewing people, sometimes major figures who are well-known and sometimes just random people on the street and ask what they do to make this world a better place. And in this series, which sits on YouTube and Facebook, and I'm also trying to pitch out to other platforms and networks, it shows that we all have that important role to make this world a better place. And it could be as simple as just holding every day, holding the door for somebody or saying thank you or looking somebody in the eye and giving them a random compliment or feeding starving people or creating a non-for-profit organization or trying to be a social or political leader. I mean, it could be anything, but to do something for the greater good not only helps other people, but it makes you feel better about yourself. So that's one series that came out of just, I can't be, you know, one of the only ones who's doing this. I can't be part of the few who are doing stuff for society. Everybody needs to do something for society. And the people who don't recognize that they're doing something for society, then I will remind them and say, hey, it could be like the smallest tiny gesture. Anyway, so that's how some content is created. Sometimes I just come up with a narrative or with a character. Because I'm an actor and director and writer, it really all goes back to my actors. What are the characters that would be fun to explore? What are the characters that would be interesting to represent? And then I say, okay, well, how can I make their story compelling? What if this person, this character is in this situation? What happens next? And it starts from a hypothesis. If I have this character and this situation happens to this character, what will happen next? How did that take shape with these uh, random pranks of kindness? Do you have, can you make it more concrete? Yeah, absolutely. For example, it was a summer in New York and I kept seeing the people running and cycling and in group fitness classes or at CrossFit or whatever I was taking. I'd see people being like so competitive. And in New York City, it's very much a rat race where you have to work hard to get further in life and to beat the other person who might be trying to achieve the same thing. So I said, okay, I noticed that there's this competitive spirit. How can I create this prank video where we're playing around with the competitiveness where I get random people to compete with me about small, tiny, basic things and make it a <laughs> funny video. Like all of a sudden they're in this scenario with somebody who's trying to compete with them. So, you know, that was one. Another one I played, I dressed up like a superhero, like a random superhero. And I was helping people with small things like paying their parking meter, like uh, picking a shirt at a store, like uh, holding a door, or I would buy a coffee for them, or I would do these random little things to show how these small acts, while it's funny, like all of a sudden, why is this random person helping me with something I don't really need help with? But the point of that was to show people that it's not only in these giant acts, it can be in very small acts that will make somebody's day better, even if it's just for that moment. And what impact does that have on you when you are in that actor's role? I feel amazing afterwards. There are times that I feel totally uncomfortable and awkward, like, oh my God, am I really doing this today? Like, is this 
what I'm about to do. Like I have this video that I posted on YouTube that has had millions of views and has been ripped from YouTube and posted in all these different places. And I have friends who share it with me on WhatsApp saying like, oh my God, and in different parts of the world, they're like, somebody just shared your video with me <laughs> because I don't even know where this video is anymore. It's all over the place where I went onto the subway in New York City and I pretended to be a Eastern block type of guy who wants to stay in the United States because he loves America and was looking for somebody to marry on the subway, like right then and there, because I had a captive audience. And when I was filming it, like, and I did the whole like, ladies and gentlemen speech. If you've been on the New York City subway, you know what I I have, yeah. Wow, you were one of those people. So instead of doing, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I need your money. I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, I have something to offer you. But before I was filming, there were times I was like, oh my God, am I, am I really going to do this right now? And I would get totally nervous. But the moment I start, I feel comfortable with it. Uh, it's like that stage fright. It's the same thing when I act in a play. The moment before I step on the stage, I'm nervous. But the minute I'm on stage, I'm in the space. I'm in the safe space and I have to commit to it. It's like that wave reference. Here's this challenge. I have this challenge that I might have set up myself. Am I going to dive through the wave and, you know, have that be this fun, graceful experience or dive under it or <laughs> let me not let the wave crash and toss me around? It's the same approach. Instead of speaking only in these philosophical ways, I have always been into guerrilla theater which is theater for an audience that doesn't expect to be an audience. And when I was in college, I would create these neo-futurist performances and Dada performances, which are two different art forms that came around in the early 1900s. And it was questioning what is art and what are the different ways in which we can affect the consumers of art or the audiences of the performing arts. So I really enjoyed doing that. And I would gather my friends and we would just create some situation in public and see how people respond or create a pop-up performance, whether it was Shakespeare or something we created ourselves to see how people would respond. Well, then I got into film and television and then I was able to create filmed content and I approached it the same way. So yeah, a lot of my web series have that element. It's a man on the street sort of situation when I'm interviewing people or it's the one actor short when I get random strangers on the street to all of a sudden act in a movie. It's the same thing. It's that guerrilla theater approach of the beauty of improv. And do you think, do you find that when you put people on the spotlight that to either be an actor or to be an audience participant that they want to see your vision succeed and they want to submit to the process that you have outlined they're like captive to but don't really know where it's going or do you feel like they're fearful and you have to really like ease them into it how do people react well i think it's both when somebody is welcomed and invited into a safe space and they understand that they're part of maintaining or creating that safe space then they're just as responsible for it and when they recognize that then don't you think that they want the best for everybody else in that safe space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's like the magic of manipulation, right? Manipulation isn't only a negative word. I think many times people 
that's actually my second favorite word. Actually, it's my third favorite word after vulnerability. Anyway, manipulation. We manipulate ourselves all the time. When we work out, we pick up heavy weights and we put them back down and we manipulate our bodies to get stronger. So I'm an avid adventure sports enthusiast. Like I ski and surf and scuba dive and wakeboard and slalom ski. I manipulate myself to be a better athlete. As an actor, I do all of this character research. I memorize the script. I analyze my character. And then when I'm on set for a film or a television show, or if I'm on stage for the play, I now have all of that research, all of that work that I've manipulated myself to be prepared for the moment, right? Same thing as a filmmaker, director, and producer. I'm using that manipulation. So back to your question is, it's about making somebody understand that they're just as important or that they're so important and they're so vital and they have that power in their hands. So then they want it to be great. But if they have that fearfulness, I assure them that it's a comfortable place that I will make them as great as possible. Because as a filmmaker, I want my actors and my crew and everybody else who's collaborating with me to be their best to do their best, and to be even better than that. I want everybody else to keep improving in life the same way I want to keep improving in my own life. Yeah. I'm curious, have you ever done a longitudinal study of sorts with any people that you've put on the spot and then that broke them out of their shell and they woke it up to their purpose and they went and did amazing things? Like, Do you have any stories about any particular individuals that have been impacted by your causes? Yeah, I've had people who started to create content as well. And it's just so exciting to see them creating, whether it's a web series, a film, a TV show, a play as well. And that's just amazing. Empowering actors to not just wait for a casting director or for their agents and managers to give them a role, but to create content as well. We're at a time that there's so much content out there because it's easier to create content. I mean, aren't you doing the same thing? You have this amazing show, People of Purpose. You're doing something to inspire others to do the same thing. It's saying, hey, look at all these people who are doing amazing things. And then you're putting it on your audience. What are they? Oh, yeah. It seems like nearly weekly I have a conversation with someone who's considering starting a channel or a podcast or a blog. And I'm just all about it. Like, definitely. It has had such a significantly positive impact on my life. Yeah, because you are doing something that's important to you, you're being creative, and you're empowering other people. So, yes, so it's happened to me with actors, it's happened to me with uh, inspiring people to become content creators, it's inspired people to create their own non-for-profit organizations and deal with a specific cause that we dealt with together, and then all of a sudden they'll say like, oh, by the way, I decided I'm going to create this organization. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Just remember, I want to be involved too. (laughs) Don't forget me, you know. Hey guys, this is your People of Purpose podcast host, Tanner Badgley. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you find value in receiving a very short email every other weekend that personalizes your path of purpose? The POP newsletter, because people of purpose, 
is a very short email where I share with you the most interesting things I've recently discovered, have been thinking about, or implementing into my life each week to more personally and purposefully pursue my purpose. It will include a short update on how my podcast is helping me grow into my purpose, a quote that's been on my mind from a purposeful resource such as a podcast, book, video, or mentor, as well as a nugget of advice from my experience on how to better align and optimize your life for your purpose. And finally, I'll try to share inspiration with you on how one of our listeners is benefiting from people of purpose. So please take a small step of action right now by sending a quick email to peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com. You don't even need to write a message. Just include in the subject header, People of Purpose Newsletter, and you'll receive the very next one. Here's to becoming People of Purpose. It's really amazing when you empower somebody. So I think that just goes back to one of my main life mantras is to entertain, uplift, and inspire. Mm-hmm. To entertain somebody, to uplift them, right? To make them see themselves in an even better place and to inspire them to think in a different way, to think in a more in-depth way, to do something, to act upon it. It's great. And it makes me feel great. So what about people that have been pre-programmed to not think that way? Like I'm thinking about the culture I was raised in is Kansas. It was just like work hard, go to high school, get a reliable degree, get a job, work that job till you're 65. I broke out of it, obviously, but I see a lot of my peers from high school that have been on that path. And they're still living in the same place that they were raised. And most people don't have passports and these sort of things. How do you deprogram people do you have any secrets around how you how you would do that to help them to think a little bit bigger for their future to imagine a more creative uplifting expression of who they are like it sounds really great but how do you make it practical exposure exposing them to different things so you lead by example you're talking about moving to thailand you're talking about your travels you are doing all of these incredible things. You just mentioned how that's inspired other people. Right. So by doing that, by leading by example, you remind other people that they too lead by example. If they're a parent of a child, if they work in an environment with colleagues, you know, the energy you bring into your workplace will affect other people's energy. If you're starting your own business, if you're driving on the road and you're driving like a maniac, it's going to affect the way other people drive. But if you drive in a more responsible way, that's going to affect the way other people drive. You know, we're all on the same highway of life. Mm -hmm. When you listen to people and make them feel just as important and remind them that they're just as important as you and they have just as much impact as you or they can have just as much impact as you. You put it in their own hands. But, you know, there are certain people who aren't raised with the wherewithal that the world is out there for them. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give to your 25-year-old self, your 20-year-old self? You know, someone that's in a, I feel like a lot of my audience is in a transition. They're either just kind of finishing college in this, like, weird stage of adulthood where you're like basically like a toddler of an adult you know you're like three years old in the adult world two years old in the adult world trying to figure things out 
it seems like you have found a lot of purpose and solidity in your truest expression. And I know that you could be a beacon of hope and advice for others. What advice would you give people that are 22, 23, 24 years old? Can I go back to one of my mantras? I know I'm trying not to be philosophical, but yeah, go right. for it. So I have this mantra, which was one of my earliest mantras or life philosophies is to live the life of the loving adventure where love isn't just an emotion, it's a state of being. So you are love. Mm -hmm. You don't only feel love. And everything is an adventure. And if you treat life like that, you say, okay, oh my God, I woke up today. Like, this is amazing. I woke up. Yeah, That's an amazing thing. There are people who don't wake up. And then if you have a task, whether you're a student in school and you have your homework and you're trying to learn and absorb information, and even if your end goal isn't to get an A or to get a certain GPA, but you're obviously there for a reason. So achieve what you want from there. If you have a task at work, whatever it is, treat it like an adventure. Okay, I'm going to try to achieve this goal. Mm. That means that the process is an adventure and the process is more important than the end goal. Right? What is that expression? The journey is the destination. Yeah. Yeah. The journey is the destination. So that's an adventure. And if you approach it with love, it makes it a lot easier because life presents us with so many challenges, people, situations, disasters, traumas that will try to push us down. But we have the opportunity to either live as victims of circumstance or heroes of circumstance. I love it. So what questions have you been asking yourself internally? Like, it seems like you're a very enlightened individual. What is it that you're still stuck on or you still don't feel like you have the clarity that you want to have or you may have when you're a wise old man? Wow. I hope I'll be a wise old man. You're a wise young man already. Thank you. Well, I'm a work in progress. You know, what I'm saying now, I'm so curious to, I wish I could see into the future because then I, I might, you know, invest in the stock market differently. But <laughs> no, I wish I could see into the future and then be able to use that knowledge to improve what I'm doing now. But not only that, just to see, will I be speaking in the same way? How am I going to advance? And I think it's living life as an improviser, like a jazz musician. You have all these tools, but now you have to play with it. Hmm. It's the concept of, of being childlike, not childish, right? What's the difference? Childish is saying, no, I don't want to. Why? Because I don't. Okay. Why? Because. Like, okay. Or to be childlike where you enter a place and you have that concept of free play. You're able to play in this situation. Right. I hope I will continue that, that playfulness of life. But the way it's worked for me is because I don't only live inside the box or look inside the box and live outside the box. I don't even I don't know if I necessarily live with this whole box. I don't even think there's a box. Like, is there a, maybe there's no box. So I have the approach of understanding the systems that are set around me, the way we're socialized. I've been socialized in a very specific way because 
of you know having been born in the United States and mostly educated in the United States and traveled around the world and I have all of these experiences that I've learned how society has told me I need to be so I recognize that but I've also developed myself to not only be the way the person that I was told or thought I was told to be I'm trying to express myself and explore myself as that loving adventurer. Mm -hmm. But because I understand the system, I can also put my business cap on and not only be a creative artist, because I don't believe in the concept of this starving artist. Nobody should starve. Everybody should eat. Everybody should have a roof over their heads and be able to sleep well and eat well and function and live their best life. So I have a business approach to my artistry. How can I create content that is enjoyable for me as an artist, but that will attract the audiences, will attract the corporate sponsors, will attract a network to buy the show? How can I be an actor in theater and in film and television and still get paid the amount of money that I want to get paid so I can live where I want to live and eat the food I want to eat and buy the clothes? I think that all goes hand in hand. So that even answers the question to the advice for the people who are in transition. How can you do what you want to do, keep pursuing the possibility of being better at it and make a living while doing so? to have the vocation and the avocation be the same thing, to do what you love and get paid for it. Were you surprised when you ultimately got paid well for doing what you love? Was there a breakthrough moment where you're like, wow, I actually don't have to be starving? Or did you just know it the whole time? I knew that I would get there. I knew that I would get there. When I started to create my own content to say, hey, I'm not going to wait for these situations. I'm going to do it myself. That was a big breakthrough moment. and made me feel so great about myself mm -hmm. because I inspired myself. I looked at comparables. Who are the people who are doing really well as actors? And I started to notice all of these actors were producers and directors or creating or content creators. And I said, okay, in order to become an actor who's working a lot more, I have to be an actor who's creating content for myself. And that eventually developed into being an actor, host, and filmmaker who's not only creating content for myself, but I'm creating content for others, creating opportunities for others, and inspiring audiences and societies alike. Yeah. So what's something that you're proud of that most people maybe don't know about that is more in the shadows, maybe off camera, that you do feel a sense of pride in a good sense around that you have worked on to develop to the person you are now in this certain area? What is it that you're proud of most people don't know about? I think it's probably when I am off camera, when I'm directing others and directing them towards a great performance. And then in the post-production editing where I edit what they shared and make it an even better performance through doing a lot of post-production and through directing and producing, it makes me think of all of those actors who are there with an award who's saying, oh my God, thank you for, you know, I'm so amazing. I'm this and that. It's like the first person they should thank 
should be the editor. <laughs> like every actor should say, I first want to thank the editors of this TV show or this film for editing me and presenting me in this great way. The second should be the director. <laughs> so that's something, I mean, I, while I don't need to be thanked, I mean, now I'm just kidding. That's something I learned through being involved in production, but to be able to make somebody else shine and not to be named is such a beautiful thing because I know it. The other person, whether they know it or recognize it or whatever, but I know that I was able to impact somebody along their journey of being the best version of themselves. Like that, I, I mean, I get tears in my eyes from that. It's just like, wow, I was able to affect somebody. I was able to affect the world. I was able to make something better. That's something I'm super proud of in those quiet things that aren't spoken about that I don't write about on my social media. I mean, I'm active with Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, but there are so many things that I don't write about. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great, but if we don't all have that, we should all have that. And that's part of being a creative human being. How can I creatively make this person better, this world better, this situation, and maybe not even better, just different? We have the power to change, and that's, that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. I love what you said right there, by the way. Got a little goosebumps because I think that we can all relate to that, not needing to have our ego stoked because someone else is in a really good spot now in their lives, and you know you played a role. Like, I think that's awesome as well. In your philosophical self, what are some things that you know for sure that you think a lot of society is missing? That maybe they have, are only seeing one side of the coin? I think kindness. A lot of people are forgetting about the kindness. They're responding to the intensity with intensity. You cannot fight. Well, I was going to say you cannot fight fire with fire, but then... Don't they stop certain forest fires with starting another forest fire? So maybe that expression doesn't work right now. Um, kindness. I think the world needs a lot more kindness to have that mutual respect for others, even if they're different than you. And not the approach of uh, certain people of faith say, love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's from that approach. It's just acknowledging that we are the same, that we all have the same ability and the same ownership of this life. To have mutual respect and acceptance and inclusion is something that we need more of. I mean, it's horrible when we've had so many shootings here in the United States. So many people are dying not only in the mass shootings, but also in the other crimes to attack and take something from somebody else, whether it's their life or their belongings. Like, wh why? That's such a disrespect. Mm -hmm. Connect that to the person who will litter on the street and completely disrespect the planet. Two drastically different things, right? A human life and littering on the street, two very different things. But to just respect this life and this planet more and respecting others more is what we need 
more of. So if each of us who recognizes that can inspire others to do so, then this life will be much more beautiful. Wow. And I guess my last question might be, could you paint a picture of what this beautiful life looks more like? Say you've spent a lifetime serving your purpose. What do you hope is your legacy? What do you want people to, to say about the impact that you left on the world? Yuval has made me a better person. That's, I think, the most beautiful thing because it, my life isn't my own. Your life isn't your own. You know, you mentioned your mother earlier. Your life is hers. Her life is yours. You are part of each other. And every person we encounter, we are part of each other. So we have the power to do good or evil. The choice is ours. We have the power to cry or yell or be silent or laugh. That's our choice. That's our power. So to know that I have affected others for the, their own personal good and for the greater good, which goes hand in hand is, oh my gosh, that's like the most amazing thing. And to get these messages on social media from people who are inspired by what I do or touched by what I do and what I express or like the press interviews about performances that I had or the critics' responses to my performances or my films who just really appreciate it and see it. To be seen is so beautiful. To, be, to feel like somebody sees me, they listen to me, they feel me. It makes me feel great about me. So I have to do the same for them and for others, especially those who are not or who are underrepresented, especially those who aren't as listened to. They're just as important as I am, as you are, as anybody else is. And that's also what I want more for, for this world. I love it. You're definitely a person of purpose. So are you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story on the podcast today, Yuval. My absolute pleasure. You're fantastic. I'm honored to be on your podcast and you do such great work. You have to keep it up and keep doing it on an even grander scale or grander reach because people are affected by what you do. Thank you. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through? Do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. 
Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sales and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 